People pleasing can become an addiction just like anything else. Mm. Even equaling that of substance abuse. It creates an addiction to satisfy those around you and work for their approval, all the while being motivated by a deficit. What did we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity, a little podcast. We take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. My name's Sammy Foster, and I am sitting here with the one and only co-host worth having, and that would be Boots. Good to see you. Good to see you, partner. I sort of feel like, if you didn't notice, I reached up and grabbed my pen because uh, I need something in my hand. Mm-hmm. It gets the juices flowing. It's like a little fidget spinner. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You have fidget spinners? <laughs> I have a collection of them, actually. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I understand the thought process, so I feel like I I think more clearly when I'm moving mm-hmm. or like standing as opposed to sitting. So right. we agree. should make a standing desk for this instead of uh, being seated here. That would be uh, that that would be <clears throat> standing with simplexity. <laughs> there you go. Standing in. Standing on the truth with simplexity. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. <clears throat> Got a little something in my throat. It's, uh, it's the coffee. <laughs> However, today, season six, episode dos, mm-hmm. we got a real, uh, real bell ringer here. Yeah. And uh, this comes from, actually, as I prepared for this and considered it, I realized um, the struggle that this subject matter has been for me. I got a lot to say about it. Yeah. And that is, what are we talking about? I reckon we're talking about people pleasing today. Oh my goodness. And you are so, so correct. So you struggle with it personally, you said? Are you a people pleaser? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Explain that. I have a default mode that is very tempting for me to be a people pleaser. Um, one of the things that I can identify now as I've gotten older, but specifically the longer that I've been in ministry and in a leadership position, Mm -hmm. um, uh, wherein I am constantly engaging various relationships and requests and, um, I'm in positions of, where I want to help people, but at the same time influence things that I see within people. All, all, of course, according to the truth of God's word, um, but my heart for people, there's a real tension in there mm-hmm. to succumb to just pleasing people. Why? It's the need to, to please. It's, it's the need to be liked. And so what I realize now as I've been at it a while and God has put his finger repeatedly on this issue, I can say with a, a degree of confidence I have grown greatly in this. Not to say that I have altogether squashed it. I don't know if you ever can on this side of glory for people that do succumb to Mm -hmm. that temptation or the need to please, but people-pleasing is quite the plight. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And it's a real temptation, one of which I am familiar with. How about you? Well, before we get to me, can I press into that a little bit? Yes. Just to... um quantify it a little bit when you say the need to please yes just to 
define that terminology. Are we talking about like the need to be liked in, yes, a, in a certain interaction? Yes. Um, Took the words right out of my mouth. That's and what I'm so, here for. Typically, the thought is is that if you are, and let me let me just one yep, one yep. quick thing to interject. This is interesting, and I know a lot of people are going to resonate with this, but you in particular, your, you know, your charisma or your personality, you are a very likable person. So it's almost like it's this weird interaction of you are very likable, but then because of that, perhaps there's an increased compulsion to be liked because it's already almost like the, the baseline. I don't know. Um, well, number one, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for that. Um, no, I, I even, I even think about a couple seasons ago where I, I think it was a couple seasons ago when we had Landon McDonald on Yeah, and we're sitting here and that was basically the first time that you met him and yeah. he literally is sitting here and he says, I like this guy, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's just you. So anyway, I've interrupted you like three times now. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think what happens in that is that when you do understand how people operate and you are able, like I've often said that my, I think my greatest gift, now this is going to sound like I'm doting on myself and, and, and I'm not. I, I think um, what I've come to realize about myself and my own growing in self-awareness or emotional IQ um, that I've come to really determine that my greatest gift is discernment, hmm. meaning that not only do I discern um, at times when I feel like I'm in lockstep with the Holy Spirit and he's really revealing, showing, um, um, exposing things that I should give my attention to, um, speak to, coach in, um, I, I very much appreciate uh, why? Because he's the counselor. He's the leader. He's the guider. He's the, he's the director. He is the one walking us into all truth. And so I think all of us can grow in discernment. But it also allows you just to discern um, and be self-aware of where other people are at, mm -hmm. of how they're operating or what they're expecting or what connects with them. Yeah. And so I, I want to I use that for the glory of God. And to be helpful, here's, the, here's the, the slippery slope. You can either use that to be a truth teller, a helper, to influence people as a neon light towards Jesus, or you can use that to garner your own attention, your own affection from people that they would like you all the more. Mm -hmm. And um, I think most leaders, to some degree, struggle in that area. There's a tension in there. And so it plays out in really practical ways. Hence, this is why I really wanted to talk about this because this just isn't a big ethereal struggle of that remains sort of abstract or vague and you go, I'm a people pleaser. But there's real practical telltales of how a people pleaser operates hmm and what the internal temptation is that for some we've never defined and we've never identified. So okay. we don't know how to course correct. Does that make sense? It does. Um, one of, I, I, think, I think for a working definition. Okay. If I can. Please. Um, a working definition, this was provided us by Beck herself. She wrote this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She wrote this. She found this, and I believe that it crystallizes the definition of what a people pleaser is. Okay. And it reads, 
A people pleaser constantly goes above and beyond to make others feel good, often putting themselves in harm's way without reciprocation. We're going to come back to that. Many people pleasers may feel that others will value and accept them because of these efforts. And as a result, they become too physically and emotionally drained to meet their own needs. Um, I'm, that, that is all-encompassing, but there's underpinnings of how this plays out. If you happen to find yourself as, as you currently are, like, mm, I, I don't know <laughs> if I fully agree with that. What happens with a people pleaser, one of, and we'll get to this a little bit later mm -hmm. in our show, um, is that a people pleaser cannot say no. They have a real hard time telling people whether invited somewhere or asked to do something or when they feel like they're being put out or people requesting margin or bandwidth within a person that they know they do not have. What'll happen is a people pleaser will tend to be outward agreeable, mm. but as a result become inward resentful. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying yes, but that comes at a cost. Yeah, they're not doing it out of an internal generosity. No, they it's are out not. It's nope, compulsion nope. or an obligation. They just cannot say no because they cannot let someone down. Mm -hmm. And so they then carry the cost of that. And the reality is they become either resentful, bitter, angry, exhausted, burnt out, a myriad of other things, thinking that they're winning somebody's pleasing when in fact they're spending far more than they have to get it. Mm -hmm. And so that's an extreme, that's an extreme, but nevertheless, a, a, a definition in and of itself, but it can start subtly and then it, it overwhelms you suddenly. Mm -hmm. That was, that was Chesterton. <laughs> subtly and then suddenly. So, go. Um, does any of that resonate with you? Because you seem to be a little <laughs> critical today. <laughs> That's your discernment kicking in. No, it is funny how many times we'll be sitting here and you'll like just read an, a reaction that I have or something like that. Typically you're wrong, but um, <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're recognizing that something is occurring. You're right on this one though, um, okay. in that it was more so the, the front half of the definition of people pleasing. Um, Let's reiterate. Yeah, go ahead. Re read through it. A people pleaser constantly goes above and beyond to make others feel good. Like that. Feel good's a little dramatic. Well, it, it not only is that dramatic, but it's also like, it's not a bad thing to go above and beyond for people. Like that's, oh, that's part of generosity. Oh, you're approaching it. Yeah, yeah. But, so when it gets to the, the latter portion of the definition, I think is when it starts to crystallize. So that's what that reaction was. It was just kind of like... You can go above and beyond without being a people pleaser. Absolutely. Like, that can be rooted in healthy things. Absolutely. Um, for me personally. But the, the, the caveat to that was often putting themselves in harm's way. So yeah, it is. That's not it, healthy, obviously. Huh? <laughs> I said, yeah, that's not healthy. Yeah. Um, I, we are called to go above and beyond. We are called to lay our lives down. We are called to prefer one over ourselves. Mm -hmm. I, truth be told, actually, the first part of that is very biblical. <laughs> within boundaries mm -hmm. it's not costing you your own well-being it should come from a place of purity you shouldn't be putting yourself in harm's way yeah. and it's the motive 
yeah. it's the motive that is is somewhat undefined in there. But and let's just say the motive is that they're a people pleaser. Yeah, and that's perfectly fair. They're a pick me. <laughs> a what? A pick me. Oh, I've seen like that. A, like like a clout chaser yeah. or or gardening attention. Never mind. Bitch. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I've I seen thought, the memes. I thought she wouldn't know what that meant. <laughs> um, twenty twenty four. I am curious to get into the other. Um, <laughs> just now resonating what you just said. Uh, to to get into some of the other telltale signs, just because a I don't know what they are, but b um, <clears throat> I don't think of myself as a people pleaser. Uh huh. And I I think most. I would agree with that. People that know me don't either. Actually, I told um, Ryan that we were talking about this today, and he and Becca both laughed at me about <laughs> the concept of me even possibly being a people pleaser. Yeah. But I would push back slightly and oh. say, I think I'm not an intentional people pleaser, uh-huh. but I can be a passive one. Let me define that. Yes. Intentional in the, in the sense of like, I will tell people no, right. or I will I will say things that I know that they'll disagree with. But yes. that's like me making the intentional decision of I've come with with my own resolve to the extent I don't care necessarily how you react to this. Yes. However, I'm also the person who gets a little bit anxious or stressed, like at a restaurant, for example, or like I don't want to unintentionally inconvenience someone else to yes. the point that it stirs up annoyance or frustration like i i'm overly sensitive to that and hannah would probably attest to that where it's like are we are we staying too long like totally. we got to get out of here like so i think that that is an aspect of people pleasing probably but anyway let's get into the other ones that's, totally. that's where i'm coming from i agree and there's all kinds of boundaries in there i think hey questioning is the whether or not you're overstaying your welcome whether or not you're going to send your meal back because it's the third time that you did <laughs> um uh how you're being perceived all of that can be self-awareness and a degree of social iq um of how you, you navigate certain things it's when again it's when you are being put out and there's no reciprocation and you put yourself out constantly because you can't handle rejection yeah or the thought of not pleasing someone so just so we understand by way of baseline how many people deal with the disease to please is this a percentage or a number uh this is a percentage i want to guess guess at home what's your number i want you to guess first before i read yeah that, that. um <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to guess after you read it. <laughs> um, Sorry. I'm going to guess that self-identified people pleasers is at 78%. Wow. Wow. You went high. Really? 1,000 American adults, or a survey of 1,000 American adults, found that about half, specifically, 49% would identify as people pleasers, but only nearly 15% said they absolutely would. So 49% said, so yeah, 65% could say <laughs> to no, some degree. Of the 49%. Oh, okay. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. I'm trying to buff yeah, my numbers. That was girl math. <laughs> 
Forgive me. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. Don't send a mean email or comment. But do like and subscribe because we're and leave a good review. <laughs> <laughs> Women, 50 per six, 50, 50 per six. <laughs> Women, 56% were more likely than men, 42% to describe themselves as people pleasers. In fact, here you go, Boots. 70% of women say they often go to great lengths to avoid conflict, and 68% say they often put other people's needs first at the expense of their own. And I would say that that- And I can definitely see that. Yeah, that, that goes in line with what you were saying about emotional intelligence too, because I feel like by and large, most women have a higher EQ than men. I would agree with that. I would agree. I also believe that it's the, the maternal instinct in women to be carers, nurturers, um, uh, in, in many regards that they will be put. I watch Ruth in comparison to me, the lengths that she's willing to go through to, mm -hmm. to whether it's satisfy an environment, take care of the kids. Um, I would put them out in the cold. <laughs> Ruth is going to go above and beyond to great lengths. Why? To make sure that they are comfortable at her own expense many a times. And so I, I certainly see that. Check this. But about half of Americans, 52%, say that they often feel like they can't say no when someone asks them for something. Women are more likely, 55%, to experience this than men. So, so that about 50% say that they really struggle in the, in the no area. Yeah. Um, the problem, again, is that you are agreeable outward. You are resentful inward. All the, all, all the, the, the more should we consider, are we a people pleaser? What are some of the identifiers therein? Yeah. So we can do something about it. And even if... Even if you're not internally resentful, like you could be burning yourself out, you totally. know, like that's being resentful. Isn't the only con to, to not saying no. It's also like, maybe you're not taking care of yourself Absolutely. in some regard. You could have a great spirit about it, but you're still burning out. Totally. So. Um, a coach author by the name of Harriet Breaker said that people pleasing can become an addiction just like anything else, mm. even equaling that of substance abuse, of where your impulse is out of what she, what she, she claims is the motiva motivator is insecurity, hmm. that it creates an addiction to satisfy those around you mm -hmm. and work for their approval, all the while being motivated by a deficit. Yeah. And so um, for those of us that follow Jesus, um, that is, is a very distorted way to live and contraire to the example given us by Jesus, one, even though some would try to make the claim that's what Jesus did. No, he did not because his motives were pure and his actions ensued as follows. Um, but I would say that we live for the audience of one. One of the fastest ways to be consumed with what other people think about you 
is to forget how God sees you. Mm -hmm. So when you do not know who you are in him and you have undermined it, devalued, and have not let find seat in your soul, that we live for the audience of one. Why? Because at the end of the day, we are greatly cherished and approved by one that went to such great lengths to make us sons and daughters. When we forget about the way God sees us, we naturally become consumed with how others see us. Mm-hmm. And, and to a, a dangerous degree and, and uh, in, a, in a very imbalanced way. Yeah. And so... And I, I would just, while you're pulling up that next one, that, that's a very sneaky thing too, in the sense that I'm, I'm hearing you say all that, and I just, I, I don't think it's as black and white necessarily as someone specifically or in a self-aware way thinking, well, I'm doing this because I'm missing how God sees me. Like most, yeah. most Christians would probably intellectually acknowledge, I know that God loves me. I know that he has value for me, but they still struggle with people pleasing. So it's like somewhere, somewhere along the lines, the why is getting blurred as far as like, do you want to chime in? I don't know if I fully agree with that. Okay. And what I mean by that, I I do not, I think intellectually, yeah, as you stated, people can say, God loves me and God approves of me. Mm-hmm. God has forgiven me past, present, future sins. He, um, he's for me. He's with me. But I, I think in a, in a way we can intellectually say that, but I think emotionally and mentally to a place that it creates a sense of real security in us Mm -hmm. until we get there. I think that we treat his approval as secondary Mm -hmm. when it becomes primary, like I am loved and cherished. Then I think from that place, you don't, you don't work for his approval. You live from his approval. Mm -hmm. And when you live from his approval, I think then you're really sensitive to one another's needs. You're willing to sacrifice for them. You're, you're willing out of pure motives to do good deeds that they may glorify your father in heaven. You're not trying to get something. You're Mm -hmm. not working for something. You're working from something. And, 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 but to your point, that does, that's a, there's a thin line in there. It's a thin space. Um, it's a thin space. No, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think my point is more so people don't even realize that that's where they're coming from. Okay. Like they don't, yep. they, they would intellectually say that they have value in the eyes of God and they're deeply loved. But really they are doing these things to attain value that they feel they have a deficit in okay so like there okay. that's that's what i'm saying I'm is there's in. this intellectual acknowledgement but there's this emotional deficit and they don't really know why they can't say no right maybe they're not asking that question of themselves right and so i, I just think it's a little bit of a deeper layer in absolutely okay i'm totally tracking and in total agreement that was a great conflict resolution <laughs> <laughs> Next okay one. I want to work through a series of um, identifiers. Okay. Some of these, eh. Some of these, yeah. 
<laughs> I love it when you do that. Okay, so someone listening right now, if you want to decide whether you're yeah. a people pleaser. You're going to go ahead and grade yourself. Yeah. Okay. First, and we've belabored this, but the first is you cannot say no. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two categories that I, I really, when, when it comes to this matter of people pleasing, that I like speaking to. That is um, just the, the, the person in their daily life that carries a, an insecurity. And so out of that insecurity, they themselves find themselves constantly doing things that they really don't want to do or impulsively saying mm-hmm. yes and giving of themselves. And then there's another category. Um, this is um, sort of the chamber that I live in, and that is leaders. Um, those that are leading people and those that are influential. Those could be pastors. Those could be um, uh, any form of influencer. Um, I've often said an insecure leader is a dangerous leader. And the reason being is because when your motives are, your actions are motivated by getting people to like you because of an internal deficit within you, you will compromise some of the most essential non-negotiables to win the approval of others. That's a, that's a terrible place to operate from as a leader. Mm-hmm. Why? Because uh, the best leaders don't say yes the best. The best leaders say no the best. Mm-hmm. I have come to, I have learned this painstakingly, that um, a really good leader has a constitution within them that is seated in their approval given them by God, their identify in his headship that he is, they live for the audience of one. And so they weigh their decisions um, according to a standard of truth, a constitution and conviction, and that they know that many times saying no may not win the approval of others, but at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do, and they're not willing to compromise over it. Mm-hmm. So this matter of saying no is a big deal. It's a big telltale. Yeah. Why one cannot say no, man, that has a, that has a root that if you follow it to, to, the, to the dirt, to the soil. I thought you were going to say to the fruit. <laughs> well, the root produces the fruit. Because <laughs> you rhyme all the time. <laughs> There you go. We look at you with bars. Okay. Number two, not only can you not say no, number two, you feel anxious about others' opinions. Can I say something about the first one real yes, quick? Yes, can. Just very quickly. Um, I like what you said about impulsively saying yes, mm. because saying no isn't necessarily saying, always saying no to bad things. Right. But you've, you know, people have said before, you say no to good things, so you can say yes to the, the yes. best things. Um, I think Mike said that. I think I'm quoting Mike there. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> but it. but it's, it's the idea of prioritization, I think. Yeah. So like a people pleaser cannot prioritize the best things because they're saying yes to everything. So like you okay. think of, you know, let's say somebody asks you to help them move or whatever, but you have a, a prior engagement with your family. Like, right potentially a people pleaser would be tempted to say yes to that. It's a good thing. Right. But in the prioritization org chart, 
Yep. You need to say yes to the best things. So like the people pleaser has a harder time prior- prioritizing, it seems like. Well said and, and, and agreed and agreed. And the, I, I, I think the busier one becomes and the more demand that they carry and the, with age comes responsibility, yep. all of those things, those priorities and racking and stacking rightly make or break the health of a person. Yeah. Um, number two, you feel anxious about others' opinions. Did I already say that? Yes, I did. But we didn't. There's an anxiety that sets in when you have to give that no. That yeah. w- w- what happens if... So they kind of stack on each other. Yeah. Yep. True story. Oh, Beck will tell you. This is where I get real jammed up. Is where I feel... I feel a considerable amount of requests. <laughs> Oh, yes. And and I have this gear that will kick into a degree of anxiousness when I think I, I really can't do that. I really can't meet with them now. I really can't. I would love to go to dinner, but my schedule doesn't doesn't allow. I mean, it really doesn't <laughs> allow. Yeah. And I've learned that by figuring out ways I'm just telling on myself where I've said yes to multiple dinners on the same <laughs> night. You're like a sitcom episode. <laughs> and it then you just be. like travel to the different dinner. Sorry. Yeah. There's a really long line in the bathroom. <laughs> where they're both in the same restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Can you excuse me for a minute? <laughs> Put on a my hat. jacket. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah, it and and so there is a legitimate. I, I would like to know. I would really <laughs> hope that our lo- listeners and viewers. I'm not the only one here that has dealt with that. Now I may be the only one that has double stacked my evenings, mm-hmm. and that is terrible. Please forgive me. However, if you've been at the same restaurant that I've had another dinner party, yeah, please forgive me. <laughs> I don't. I no longer do that. Beck won't allow me, and Ruth would kill me. Okay. However, I will say um, there is a legitimate anxiety. Please, by way of comments, l- let me know I'm not the only one. Yeah. And if you'd like to start a small group, <laughs> but I, I like. I don't have any nights free. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't promise them. <laughs> no. Um, I like how two went right alongside one in yeah. in the sense that even for you, like the invitation or whatever goes through the prioritization and then it, it, you you have the ability to acknowledge that has to be a no yes so it makes it through that that layer of the filter yes but then it it comes with the anxiety of dealing with the aftermath of that decision that's exactly right that's exactly right which leads us beautifully into number three um this is what it cost you that you never have you time you never have you time. Why? Because you don't prioritize your own well-being and your own personal, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual health. So you're constantly spending, but you're never depositing. Mm-hmm. And so you never have you time to get well or to even get clear and pause long enough to think, what am I doing? This is unsustainable. Um, uh, we spoke about burnout yeah. um, episodes past that was my pause to go what am i doing what am i doing 
to your point earlier, which is so right, I did not stop long enough to realize what I was doing was killing me. What I was doing was, was, was costing me dearly the well-being of, of, of my mental capacity, my spiritual, emotional, marital. And so when I stopped and I saw it, which I would hope for this particular episode, maybe this is for someone, just a pause button long enough to go, that what you're doing is unsustainable. Was a lot of that rooted in people pleasing for you? Not not all of it. Okay. Some of it. Okay. Some of it. And so what it what that requires is margin enough to get introspective. Yeah. To even work through what are the motivations. Hundred percent. Yeah. You can't just sl- slap a quick diagnosis over that and go well, everything I'm doing is a result of this. No. Yeah. It takes time to examine what are my motives. Why am I doing this? What's the driver? That takes you time. Number four, you feel guilty about setting boundaries. Come on, somebody. Glasses are coming this, off for this one. This is, this is legit right here. You feel preserving your own well-being um, at the expense, this is your economy of thought, at somebody else's is insensitive and, and arrogant. Mm. Oh, sweet friend. No, it is not. If you are not healthy, then it's very unlikely you can lead anybody else to health. So when you, um, uh, this is is a major. Boundaries preserve soundness and health. Mm -hmm. Boundaries in any regard of life. If you have no sleep boundaries, you get into bed anytime at night, you wake up anytime in the morning, your physical body is going to, is going to take it a hurting. Mm-hmm. If you have no eating boundaries, you'll eat anything, devour, you know, eat when you're hungry, eat late into the evening, you're physical. If you have no boundaries by way of intake, what you watch, what you listen to, what you talk about, what you consume, don't be surprised when you wind up anxious and depressed. It, it, it costs you something. There's a wonderful book um, I, I ordered uh, about two years ago called Your Body Keeps Score. Mm. And your body is resonating with everything coming in and all of the expenditures going out. Your body tallies that mm-hmm. in ways that you don't even know in, 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 in your, you know, neurologically, physically. Um, and I, I feel this deeply spiritually boundaries are so that you can be a good vessel in the hands of the king Mm -hmm. but where there is no boundaries and you feel guilty about setting them well that is a real telltale of a people pleaser do you think we have uh i know you touched on a number of different like categories do you have any like practical examples potentially of of what boundary setting looks like um to do all those things that you just said. Absolutely. And perhaps if you could temper that based off what I'm about to say in that my temptation is the opposite. Okay. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a self preservation type person. Right. So I can be very selfish with my boundaries Got you. in, it's good. in like, Nope, I'm, I don't want to hang out with so and so cause I need to go to bed at this time yeah. or like I need to do that. Like, and I can get very, unhealthy with that. So what's the sweet spot and what would that look like? So I believe that boundaries should be 
a result of priorities. So you can't just go set arbitrary boundaries um, because what could happen is if you over strict your boundaries, you could actually miss being effective in your calling. Mm. And so when you determine what your calling is, so the, and, and, and I mean this by way of if you are a dad, let's say a dad, uh, you are a, a wife, you have children, you should create boundaries so as to prioritize your family. Why? That's your calling. That's your calling. So if you don't create boundaries in your hobby life, your friend group, the time that you spend outside of the home, um, if, if, then, then what suffers? Your children. Their home more often that, that, that you're not. That's imbalanced. Um, if you uh, do not set boundaries when it comes to, hey, I got kids, so I want energy. I want energy to wrestle with them, hang with them, play sports with them. I'm, I'm, I'm being vague, but um, this is, we'll, we'll distill it down. Mm -hmm. um, then you're not thinking of the priority of you should give your family your best. So you should prioritize what you're eating, when you're going to sleep, how you're organizing your schedule, what you give your time, effort, and, and bandwidth to. Why? Because the priority of your life, as, as, as seen by God, is the nurturing of that family. It's the nurturing of that marriage. Um, this is why people with, you know, that are workaholics, there is no boundaries. And so something lies in the wake of that. There's a cost that comes with that. Mm -hmm. When it comes to me, um, my calling is to love God's people, spend time in his presence, listen for his still small voice, prepare uh, messages and or um, content I have to organize a weekly schedule. Why? Because what does not stop is demands and requests. So if I do not have boundaries set, well, then I'll just farm out my yes to everything, therefore costing me the best things. Yeah. So really practical, this year, um, Beck, Ruth, and myself, we organized my weekly schedule, most certainly on the front end. I know when I'm my best. I'm my best in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a morning person. Well, after 2 p.m., I start diving. Um, after 5 p.m., I'm not even saved. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get in the 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 goods early. But I can't, I can't treat every day the same. So Mondays, there are meetings that I have to attend. So I rack and stack all my meetings on Monday. Tuesday is a creative day for me. That's where I either podcast, I spend time writing. Uh, weekly sermon. Um, I create talks, whether it's, it's here at the church or outside. Um, it's where I create, I dream, I sit, I, I, I think. Um, Wednesdays are my days that I meet with, with people. Wednesdays um, is where I meet with people. And so it's bell to bell. I'll just, I'll just meet and counsel and love and listen to and visit. That's, that's Wednesday. Thursdays, Thursdays is the day where I do self-care. So Ruth and I, we, we have mentors that we sit with on Thursday. I have a personal coach that I get with on, on a Thursday. Friday's a down day. Those are boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are a certain time that I get into bed. I want, I, I want to be in the gym. Um, and those are non-negotiables. Why? Because when I am physically healthy, I feel like I'm, I'm best spiritually. Mm -hmm. So all of those, 
there's a lot of times. So when I create those boundaries, I have accountability around me to say when somebody goes, I need to meet you on Thursday. Now, please hear me. I'm not so rigid and weird that if they're like, well, I'm in dire straits, I'll go, nope, this is my day. Yeah. I don't have that luxury. I'm a pastor. And so, but by and large, I try to hold to those boundaries. I, I often said, this is the plan to deviate from, but I don't want to deviate. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate all that. That's very helpful. Um, number five, what back? Beck, she's looking at me. Chime into the mic and tell us what you're thinking. <laughs> right now? Yes. Oh, gosh. I don't know. What do you want me to comment on? You're a people I want you pleaser. to in involve yourself in simplexity. <laughs> Is there anything that you would say about boundaries? About boundaries. Because you are a boundary. You're, you're, you're in many ways my boundary yeah. police. The gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Shooting. <laughs> I try to give you boundaries. You don't always stick to them. Right. Uh, <laughs> plan to deviate from. <laughs> it's a plan to deviate from. Yeah, I think you're, I don't want to say you're a recovering people pleaser, but you definitely still people please. Yes. But you're so relational. That's where it comes in for you. Mm -hmm. You don't, it's not that you don't want to, you don't want to let people down, I feel like. Yes. You know what I mean? And you don't want to, we all do it. I mean, I do it myself. And right. when you were like, women do it more, I'm like, oh, definitely. For uh -huh. myself, I do it so all the time, then I'm burned out. Mm. Right. And then I do it again. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. So boundaries, I think, are so important to not lose yourself. That's, that's where really that's good. where I'm trying to find myself this year. Like setting boundaries that don't because I, I will say, like, I don't want to set boundaries and then upset somebody. Yep. But if I lose myself, you you tell me this all the time. How can I help you if I'm mm -hmm. burned out? That's right. Right? So that's, that's, right. that's how you have to look at it as, you, as you're a pastor. How can you help others if you're burned out? 100%. But you don't always stick to this boundary. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. But it, it is one thing about Beck and, and Ruth as well. You have to be brutally honest with yourself and with those around you and allow the inroad. If this is what you succumb to, then you better get a firm accountability group around you that you don't deflect, deny, defend every time they go, you're breaking boundaries. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing it, and now there's a pattern that's being created. Hey, a, one broken boundary shouldn't get you arrested <laughs> by the boundary police. <laughs> but where you're repeatedly breaking them, um, that that's cause for... And I will say flat. you're... A couple desktops. <laughs> I will say you're more self-aware. When I started with you, gosh, seven years ago, I would be like, hey, 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 you're overloaded. You're over. You'd be like, no, I'm not. Don't yeah. say that. And now you're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So it takes time to learn, but we all do and, it. And at the same time, Lighthouse Church, um, my particular seat, calling, occupation, it has only increased in growth. So it's not mm -hmm. like it plateaued and I could find a comfortable spot. It was always, there's always seasons of growth and increased demand signal and issues to weigh into and problems to deal with and seasons that intensified that, um, 
created real plausible reason to break boundaries. Yeah. You yeah. know, but the question is, am I doing that? We're, we're in a whole nother sphere now. The question is, am I doing that to please people or am I doing that to be responsible? Mm. Yeah. So again, back to the subject matter at hand. Mm -hmm. Number five, a people pleaser winds up apologizing for things they don't need to. Mm -hmm. Just, I want to liberate somebody. I quit doing this. This is just a very small thing. Um, just because you have one of these and you're accessible all the time does not mean because you're connected, do you need to be responsive? Mm. I, I, I'm, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. I am not dealing with that. So what I quit doing, which was just a little subconscious thing to me, um, there's sometimes that I do it because it warrants it, but I am not writing back and saying sorry for the delay mm -hmm. or sorry for the late response. Sometimes I do that because I sit on it in excess. But if I'm a day late in getting back to you, wait a minute, just because I, you, you can get me doesn't mean that your emergency or constitutes one on my end yeah so so i don't want to i i don't like apologizing for things i don't need to there's some things that i do mm -hmm. and boots you owe me and a lot of apologies <laughs> that you have yet to give but yeah. that's okay we'll get there we'll get there um number six you need constant approval so you're constantly soliciting accolades the problem with accolades is, and approval, is my father used to tell me, if you live by people's accolades, you'll die by their criticisms. One of the things about a people pleaser is, is that every criticism is a personal attack. Mm. I, I have come to love constructive criticism if it's given in the right heart, because that heart says, I want to see you at your best. Mm -hmm. And in order for you to get to your best, that means that you need to course correct certain things, flaws, character issues, insufficiencies, laziness, things in your life. Why? Because I love you too much to lie to you, mm -hmm. but I love you enough to tell you the truth. People pleasers can't handle criticism. They feel like it's an indictment on who they are. When in fact, it's not an indictment on who you are, it's a criticism of what you do. Mm -hmm. We all, if we agree, if we agree, as we rightfully should, that we are broken vessels in the hands of the king, that he is going to shape as a potter the clay, then there are, he doesn't just put his hands on us, take us off, and we turn into these beautiful vases <laughs> or these beautiful vessels or these beautiful cups. No, it takes molding. And so get used to it and invite it mm -hmm. and don't treat it like a personal attack. Number seven, you generally don't share your feelings with others. Is this a lot? Oh, no, it's not. Got another page. We're going to move through these quickly. <laughs> Number eight, you have a low self-esteem. That's a given. So you're looking, Is it a given? I think so because, you're again, there's that deficit internally, so you're looking externally to satisfy it. Yep. Number nine, you always agree in order to be liked. So you never disagree with anybody. That's not our problem, Boots. <laughs> Number 10, you fear being labeled selfish. Uh-oh. What do you think well, about Well, that? I already said like 10 minutes ago, I was like, I mean, I can be selfish sometimes. So I don't know. 
<laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Number 11, your personality changes based on who you're with. Now, that's called hypocrisy and duplicity, but the driver is the need to be a people pleaser. So you're one way with one group. They hear one thing, see one thing, feel one thing. When, you, when you're with a different group, you're not, not even necessarily contraire. Mm-hmm. You're just different than you were with them. Yeah, that one is, is a little, I see it. I see it, and depending on the situation, I feel like, because there are, there are certain like personality assessments and stuff like that where it's like you get into the Enneagram, you get into Myers-Briggs. Like There are people who are more generally agreeable yes. toward others, and it's not like you're compromising your own values or who you are to, to satiate people, but you like That's that? That's great. That was Thank a great you. word. I, so I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a give and take there where it's like, some people have the EQ to recognize so-and-so needs this, so I'm going to take a slightly different approach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not to justify hypocrisy or duplicity, as you said, but right. I just I feel like that one's not quite as black and white. You know, what, you know what I appreciate about you? What's that? Is that, you know, Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love, love, believes all things, trusts all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You are... Beck, tell me if I'm wrong on this. Boots is very much, he believes the best. Oh, death. I, I love that about you. You always, you don't look at it through a critical lens. But I'm critiquing this one. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. But, you're, but what you're, you're, you're offering is a gracious, out of your, your graciousness, you're offering a, a understandable motive. Mm. And I, I very much appreciate that. Although I disagree with it. <laughs> here's, here's, it's not, I totally hear what you're saying. Listen mm-hmm. to this. Your personality changes based on who you're with. I appreciate that you're reading into that. What you're, you're offering is, is someone's fluidity. Mm-hmm. Is that, hey, you understand some people need a little of this and you're going to put a little wedge in there and you're going to put a little agreement in there. And I understand that there and you're a better listener there. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to fluidly go with the flow a little bit because you understand to a degree how to blend. I think what this is saying is that when you're with one group of people, you're telling them what they want to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. You find yourself with another group of people, they're in stark contrast to that first group of people, and you're telling them, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's almost like your values change based off context. Hence duplicity. Well, it doesn't say (laughs) duplicity there. I am. (laughs) Why? Because I'm not gracious. Yeah, that's not true. (laughs) So... So that's what you do. And for okay. those of us that would resonate with that, you know exactly how you roll. <laughs> um, why? Because you have the disease to please. Oh, that's all. look at that. That's Harriet. People, Breaker. please. <laughs> Number 12, second to last, you overcommit to activities or responsibilities. We've, we've, we've talked about this. <laughs> this, is where, this is where yours truly. Can't say no unfortunately feels a great temptation okay. that I overcommit and, um, and then I pay the price. And then lastly, but certainly not comprehensively, you feel pressured to be nice all the time 
and people constantly take advantage of you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have dealt with some people that um, just recently I was sitting with a gentleman that had a serious degree of church hurt. Mm. It was traumatic. Why? Because he loved this community and this family that he was part of deeply. And what happened was, is that he had no ability to say no. He was, he was a bull. And what I mean by that is he was a worker. I mean, if the doors were open, he was present. If it was asked of him, he didn't hesitate. Mm -hmm. Um, Any opportunity that he could be part of and it was driven out of love. He loved that family. He loved those leaders. He wanted to show himself faithful and available and teachable. He was all in. And as he would tell me the story of what happened there that lent to the hurt, um, it was just a terrible story of him being taken advantage of. You know, in most organizations, you, you, you whip the ox that pulls the hardest. Uh, you know, this is why the 80-20 rule is legitimate. It's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. But then there are those within that 20% that are susceptible to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. This gentleman that I talked to, that is exactly what happened to him. And so I was sitting there with him and just loving on him and listening and I really wanted to minister and comfort um, him um, because naturally now he's very guarded and he's very skittish and he's very suspect of what are your motives and I don't know if I want to you know serve again be part of again and I was able to listen to him and I told him what was the driver I know you say you loved them I know you say that you did love them But what in your heart of hearts was the driver that caused you every time they would ask to say yes? And he sat there and after a long dramatic pause, he said, I just wanted their approval. And it was as he said it, it was like the lights went on. Mm. And I went, so what you're saying is you were taken advantage of because you were a people pleaser. And he said, I never saw that actually I was an accomplice Mm -hmm. to the hurt that I experienced. He said, I didn't set boundaries. And we were able to tease that out. And man, the Holy Spirit rushed in and was just able to really minister to him because it wasn't just he had to be guarded from other people now. It was that for the first time he realized, I got to be guarded from the own tendency and temptation of my own heart. And, um, Man, I, I just sat there and it was like I watched the Holy Spirit work. It wasn't that I, you know, was peeling. It was mm-hmm. like the Holy Spirit just hit the switch. And I think that when you stop, you consider, you work through these, and you get honest with yourself, at the end of the rainbow, there's real liberation and freedom. When you identify, you know, as we often say, you cannot defeat what you do not define. When you define that your motives are driven by trying to get the approval of others in an unhealthy way, it liberates your own soul to go, 
now I know how to get back to balance. Mm-hmm. And now I know that it's okay for me to care for me. Now I know that it's okay to set boundaries, to say no, to preserve self, to prioritize, and all of that. And so no longer is it them that's causing your resentment. You realize, I'm actually causing my own resentment and my own unhealth. And I just want to say, this is I'm a work in progress, but uh, this issue is very near and dear to me. Um, and uh, if it's worth anything, I'm working at it with you. Yeah. We're in this together, little partner. That's good. Um, for anyone who's listening who resonated with any number of those different items, um, perhaps we can end on a little bit more of a, I mean, hopefully this has been practical throughout, but even more so, what advice did you give that guy that you met with after the recognition came, that Holy Spirit moment of, I have been a people pleaser, um, what was your admonition to him? So, as um, Harriet Breaker said that, you know, people pleasing can become an addiction. Um, with any addiction, what that requires is a degree of accountability and the awareness, not only with yourself, but those around you that you you walk alongside of that helps you overcome that. And so for me, talking that 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 gentleman, I said, hey, I, I, I want to be, I want to just be a voice into some of the decisions that you're making, and I want to be the one to scrutinize your motives. Why? Because I love you. I care for you. Let me be a sounding board. I think uh, the first step practically is to identify I am a people pleaser. That, that's, that's what I do. And, and to give it some weight. Like, I, you know, it's real easy to say I'm a people pleaser or I'm a control freak or I do this. And we ch- treat it sort of trite and flip. Uh-uh, give it some weight because I believe that it's costing you spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. Give it some weight. Don't downplay it. Once you do that, pull somebody alongside of you that you can get real with, whether that's a counselor, a coach, a friend, somebody that loves you, that will hold you to those boundaries that you set so that you can break this pattern in your life and find liberty on the other side, not walk around with guilt, a false sense of shame, or uh, the burden of you should be doing more when in fact you're right where God wants you. That's good stuff, my friend. All righty. Well, I think we'll leave it there. We appreciate you guys who are either watching or listening. You can go ahead and follow us on Spotify or Apple. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Love you guys. <laughs>